I wanted to speak to you tonight out of Mark chapter 16. You can turn there with, with me in your Bibles. I want to read a few passages from that particular book, and then we're going to go to Acts chapter 1. While you're turning there, I wanted to speak to you about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We are told for 1 Corinthians 4, 12, chapter 12 that the gifts are for every man and for all. And that to one is given, and to another is given, and to another is given, and to another is given, and so on. And I think that's beautiful of the Lord. He doesn't leave anyone out. The Holy Spirit wants to gift every one of us. And for me as a pastor, it's, it's, it's important to me. It's, 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 to me, it's of necessity that I do everything that I possibly can to stir up the gifts that are in you. Um, and, and try to give you opportunity. I do that in the services uh, practically every time that we meet because it's the time I am with all of you um, and I'm not able to be with every one of you every day of the week. And this is the opportunity that I have to do that, at least by faith and by practice to seek after God and to somehow give uh, example of that. And I, I, I'm, I'm appealing to you right now I'm appealing to those of you that are baptized in the Holy Spirit and that you live a spirit-filled life because everybody in here is not. And everybody in here does not really know how to cultivate an intimate walk with, with God through the Holy Spirit. And it's, it's just a fact of that. But those of us that do, if we could somehow provide an example, if we could somehow lead a way of pursuing God in the Holy Spirit, that we would be able to demonstrate our faith and our belief in the fact that God is here and he does exist and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I want my life to demonstrate that leadership. It is, there's something more important to me than this pulpit, and it's what I am when I'm not in the pulpit. And I've, I've oftentimes been in churches where I have watched ministers and pastors just, you know, they're not participating in the service. They, they might be reading their notes. They might be, you know, on their phones. They might be talking to other people and they're just not engaged in the service because it's their turn when they go up to preach. But for me, be an example for you um, outside of the pulpit and being able to demonstrate and pursue the Lord with the best of my faith that I could do that with, and the grace of God, and hopefully provide some type of an example is my desire for you. And I'm asking every one of you, young and old, that have an intimate walk with God through the Holy Spirit to please provide that example. Wherever you might be, if, you're, if it's in the back of the church or in the front of the church, that doesn't matter. If it's in the middle of the church, that doesn't matter. Would to God we were scattered all over the church and up in the balcony and we were just all examples of what it means to pursue God and, and live in the Holy Spirit and pray in the Holy Ghost. And people can learn by that and they can be encouraged by that, that they themselves can, can pursue the things of God as well. But the Holy Spirit comes upon each one of us, and to every one of us, He is giving gifts in our life. These gifts then are for every man and for all who believe in them and ask God for them and receive them. That's very important. It's, it's not just the fact that you believe in the gifts of the Spirit, and it's not the fact that you just ask for the gifts of the Spirit, but that you receive the gifts of the Spirit. You have to receive faith 
ends in sight. And so you pursue God. You believe God. You don't live by your feelings. You don't live by your emotions. You don't live by what you see. You live by what you believe. But that belief ends in sight. There comes the point you have to touch it. You have to hold it. And you have to know that you have this. You've got this in your life. You've got something to give. When Peter and John went to the gate beautiful and the crippled man was there, they didn't lay hands on him and say, Oh God, we know that you're able. Would you please raise him up and give him the ability to walk? No, that day they held something. They had it. And they said to the crippled man, Such is what we have, we give to you. We We knew we've got it. And oh, to God that we know that we have those gifts of the Holy Spirit in our life. By faith, and we exercise that by faith, and we're able to bless the entire body of Christ, that it profits everybody. And it's not for us to judge how it profited everybody. You may think that that you did very little in a particular service, but if you came in here and sought the Lord and walked in grace and and acted in faith and and maybe you feel like you know what my life didn't appear to do much that night that's not for you to judge you have no idea the effect that your life might have might have had that night in other people's lives that's for god to do not for you to do the holy spirit gifts us and the holy spirit works through us to profit everybody and it's not for us to measure that It is just for us to believe and walk in that, all right? But it's important that you receive the gifts of the Spirit. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, and it says that we should um, pursue love, but desire the gifts of the Spirit. We should desire them. We should ask for them. Even at the end of chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, it tells us to desire the gifts of the Spirit and to pray for them. The gifts of the Spirit are signs of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, showing that one is living a normal New Testament Christian life in spiritual things. The gifts of the Holy Spirit operating in the life of a believer are not abnormal. They're normal. What's abnormal is how stagnant Christians are. The the lack of enthusiasm and the lack of faith and the lack of ability and the manifold number of excuses of why we can't. That's abnormal Christianity. Normal Christianity is is a life that is anointed with the Holy Spirit. Jesus lives in that life and the possibilities of that life are without limit. And that is that is normal Christian living to act in faith. There demands a sense of conflict. It just demands it. I've talked to a lot of people, and he was on the phone today with quite a few ministers that are just really going through some struggles and some battles, and, and they're in the midst of conflict. And I'm, I'm like, you've got to live in faith now. Talking to some others that are just trying to step out in ministry, and I said, you know what? Everything that God requires of you demands faith. God's not going to ask you to go do something where you tell God, I got this. He's not going to be pleased with that. So God's going to put you and move you into a situation that is above your pay grade, if you will. This is, this is, this is out, of, out of what you think is your ability. In other words, it's going to strike some kind of fear in you. There's a conflict. God hasn't given you that spirit of fear, but that spirit of fear comes. 
and challenges you. I'm not able to do this. What are my qualifications for this? What if I fail? What if, what if this happens? What if that happens? And all of these things come. But faith, if it's going to be faith, has to confront that. Nobody serving God, nobody doing the work of the Holy Spirit feels in themselves the confidence and the ability to do it in their own talent. They're doing it in faith and it demands of them a conflict. Without God, I cannot do this. And we step out in faith to trust the Lord to do that for us. And I'm, I'm appealing to you to live a life of faith. To live a life believing God and to trust the Lord for the things that God desires to do to you, through your life. And so there is this sense by definition that you have to face a conflict if you're going to live by faith. It's above you. It's beyond you. It's greater than you. But you have to believe God is with you and God has called you to it. And you're stepping into it and you trust the Lord for it. And wherever there's a need, there's a call of God. Wherever you recognize a need, there's a call of God, whatever that might be. Church needs help in the nursery. Well, that's not my call, but now you know there's a need. So it might be exactly where God wants you to be or with tech or with sound or with whatever it might be. And, and there are opportunities for us to serve in the body of Christ in, in areas that we may not feel most comfortable, but it may be where God's calling us to serve. And so we have to deal with the fear by faith. Don't entertain the fear. Understand it. And in the name of Jesus, rebuke it and don't receive the fear. But receive the spirit of power that God is desiring to give you. In Mark chapter 16, this is dealing with the resurrection of Jesus And as you understand, it was the women and Mary particularly that went to the grave early in the morning and he was risen. In verse 6, he was not there. And so they're they're told in verse 7 to go and tell the disciples and Peter that he's gone before you into Galilee. There you will see him as he said to you. And they went out quickly and fled from the sepulcher for they trembled and were amazed. Neither said they anything to any man, for they were afraid. Now, when Jesus was risen early the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils. And she went and told them that had been with him as they had mourned and wept. And I want you to understand, according to verse 8, they're dealing with fear. It's very real. Fear is probably the chief thing and that most Christians deal with that keeps them from really serving God and really living a life of profit to the kingdom of God. And I, I just want to deal with that fear and that we rebuke it in Jesus name. There, there's been some events happening at our capital uh, yesterday, today. It'll be going on tomorrow. There's some bills that are there with the, uh, the trans movement, the woke movement. And the aggressive violence of the people that are in protest um, with our legislators that are that are not so much favoring some of the trans agenda. And they're just standing up in the middle of the Congress, cussing them out with all of their might 
screaming at them and yelling at them and, and you know, I'll see you in hell. And all of the, and I'm thinking, man, the, the devil's disciples have no fear. They, they support ridiculous things and, and believe in it with all of their might. And Christians have the truth and the power of God. And yet we seem to be so timid to speak up. And I pray that we would have power over this timidity. We live in an age where we have to have power over this timidity. The kingdom of God in our day demands it. And so she goes and she tells them in verse 10. She went and told them that had been with him as they mourned and wept. They were very sad. They were broken. And they, when they had heard that he was alive and had been seen of her, believed not. I'm glad this is there. I'm glad that God the Holy Ghost is showing us that even his closest men had a difficult time believing the testimony of the resurrection of Jesus. They struggled with it. And so after that, he appeared in another form unto two of them. And as they walked and they went into the country... And they went and told it unto the residue. Neither believed they them. They didn't believe these guys. So now there's another report of the resurrection. And they still don't believe. And then afterward he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat. And he abraded them. He rebuked them. With their unbelief and hardness of heart. Because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. He told them he was going to rise. So when these individuals are telling the 11 disciples, we've seen him alive, and they did not believe it, Jesus had already told them he was going to, and now he's got people telling them that we've seen him, and they don't believe him. They don't believe these testimonies. So Jesus rebukes them. He rebukes them because of their unbelief and the hardness of heart. If the disciples of Jesus Christ, who were personally with him for three years and witnessed the miracles of Jesus, could come to a place in their life through factual events that they watched, through tragic events that they went through, through fear that they were going to be caught and they were going to be arrested and maybe executed themselves. There's no doubt they were struggling with fear. Had such a hard time believing That Jesus Christ was actually alive. That perhaps if God could help them back then, he could help us today. And so they didn't believe. He rebukes them for this. They had a hard heart. Because they didn't believe what people were telling them about him. And he said to them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I would not have done that. If I were Jesus, I would not have done that. If I were Jesus, and I got 11 guys before me that lived with me for three years, I told them very clearly what was about to happen to me and how I was going to rise from the dead. 
And they witnessed all of my miracles. And then, even after all of that, when I sent people to them to tell them I was alive from the dead, they didn't believe them. And I show up and I rebuke them for their hard heart and their unbelief. And, and now I'm going to send them into all of the world to go teach? No, I don't think so. You're disqualified. I'm done with you. Why would I send a bunch of unbelievers out into the world? What good are they going to do? They, they just, they're skeptics. They're not going to believe anything, you know? They're going to be living in fear. They're going to be living in timidity. They're going to be looking for locked doors. They're going to be afraid if we go share the gospel. And somebody's going to shut the door in my face. And, you know, and I just don't know if I could bear rejection. Why would I send these guys out there? But instead of that, because that would have been me. But instead of that, thank God Jesus isn't me. He sends them out. He gives them the commandment to go. I really would have cautioned Jesus about this. But Jesus knew who was coming. And he knew they were going to receive him. And Jesus was not hoping in these men. Jesus was believing in what the Holy Spirit would be able to do with these men. And he tells them in verse 16, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believes not shall be damned, and these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues. Some of you guys have a hard time doing that. I don't know why. It's totally scriptural. When you pray in your tongues, your inner man is edified and strengthened. 1 Corinthians 14 says when you pray in your tongues, you're talking to God and you're speaking the mysteries of God. You're speaking powerful things of God's kingdom over, the, over your life and over the congregation and over the culture. But how little do we pray in tongues? But Jesus said this is what would happen. They shall take up serpents and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. The Lord worked with them. They went and preached the word and the Lord worked with them, confirming the word that they were preaching because they were preaching the gospel. Now, something happened between verse 19 and verse 20. And if all we had was the book of Mark, we would think that, all right, he rebuked them for their unbelief and their hardness of heart. And then he sent them out into the world anyway and said, go do this. And these signs are going to follow you. And then all of a sudden he's received up into heaven and they just immediately go out. But they didn't immediately go out. We know that they waited in the upper room for the promise of the Father to come. This is Acts chapter 1, if you turn there. In Acts chapter 1, we are given, coming back into the chronology of this story that, that Jesus was speaking of. And he says in verse 4 of Acts 1, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you have heard of me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not many days hence. 
When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times of the seasons, which the father has put in his own power, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. So here, listen, here's the context. Here's a group of men, 11 disciples. There's, there, there may be more disciples that are around them and gathered around them, but these 11 disciples are there. They've been living in fear. They've been weeping. They've been mourning. They've been living behind a locked door. They have not believed the testimony of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Jesus gives them the commandment to go into all of the world. And he says, signs and wonders are going to follow you. And then he was taken up from their sight. And, and, and so now when we come to the book of Acts, Luke is letting us know a little bit more happened in that conversation. Because before he was taken up into heaven, Jesus is telling them, now listen, before you go into the world, you stay here in Jerusalem and you tarry until you are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. You shall receive power after that, the Holy Spirit. Right now, you don't have power. Right now, you got a hard heart. Right now, you have unbelief. Right now, you have a hard time reckoning in your mind what has happened with the kingdom of God and with me and with the resurrection. And if I were to send you out into the world like this, you would all fail. So wait here in Jerusalem, and when the Holy Spirit comes, then you will have power. And beloved, I say this to us tonight, we do not have the power in ourselves, of ourselves, to deal what's going on in our culture. But the Holy Spirit is not coming, He has come. And now it is a matter of us receiving Him. We don't have to wait 10 days for the Holy Spirit to get here. He's come. He's here. He's in the earth. He's visited the church. He lives in you. And now what we must believe is, I want to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you have fear? Can you evangelize? Can you share the gospel with your neighbor? Can you share the gospel with those at work? Are you intimidated by the woke culture? Are you intimidated by the trans culture? Are you intimidated by atheists? Are you intimidated by smart men? Then come to God tonight and let him fill you with the Holy Spirit so you will have power. This is the only answer for weak people is the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit in our life and upon our life. And so Paul is, or or, or Luke is writing this in the book of Acts, the testimony of Jesus. Verse 8, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria, to the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. So Mark did not include this in his gospel, but Luke included it so that we could have this information that he wasn't sending people who were weak and fearful and unbelieving, but he was commanding people who were weak and fearful and unbelieving to receive the promise of the Father, which is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Then they will have power. And after he said that to them, he ascended up into heaven. And they waited. They're looking and they're watching this event and they wait. Verse 13 says they came to the upper room. And they're waiting for this promise of the Father. Acts chapter 2. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. They know something is about to happen. They know that the feast of Pentecost is coming. 
They know that. They saw Passover fulfilled. They saw unleavened bread fulfilled. They saw the feast of first fruits fulfilled with the resurrection of Jesus. And now they know at the feast of Pentecost, there's going to be something that happens. So they know it. They're expecting it. And that's what happened at the day of Pentecost. Suddenly, verse 2, there came the sound of from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. He won't leave anyone out. He will not leave you out. And it's not the point of you believing in the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's not even the point of you asking to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Will you receive the Holy Spirit? The easiest thing in the world is to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Jesus does it. The difficulty is our inability to receive it because we're such skeptics and we do not live by faith. We live by emotion and by feelings. But it came. And they were all, verse 4, filled with the Holy Ghost. And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. 3,000 people get saved as a result of Peter preaching the Word of God. You see in the book of Acts a phenomena. A miracle. In the book of Acts chapter 2. 120 people are filled with the Holy Spirit and speak in other tongues. What does 1 Corinthians 14 tell us about when we speak in tongues and pray in tongues? If unbelievers are in the room, they will fall on their face and say, God is here of a truth and they will worship God. 120 people speaking in other tongues, men from other parts of the world hear them praising God in their own language. This, this miracle of God astounds the thousands of people to the point where now they have their attention and Peter can preach to them. And he preaches to them. And through the word of God, through the gospel, they are cut to the heart and 3,000 people get saved. Miracle gets the attention of the people. The people preach the gospel. And then God brings in a harvest. That pattern is repeated in chapter 3 of the book of Acts. In verse 6, Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Another gift of the Spirit, a gift of miracles, a gift of healing, rise up and walk. And immediately he was healed. In verse 8, he's leaping up and he stood and he walked and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. The people saw him walking and praising God. They knew it was this crippled man who sat at the gate. But this man was healed. And after this healing, what happens? People are gathered around and Peter preaches to them. And the Bible says that 5,000 men were saved. Not because the man was healed, but because of the word that was preached. And, and guys, this is a pattern that's repeated throughout the book of Acts. God, the Holy Ghost, does a miracle through the gifts. The day of Pentecost, it was the gift of tongues. It arrested thousands of people in the streets of Jerusalem. A chapter later, it's the gift of healing. And a crippled man's walking around, leaping and praising God. And everybody knows who it is. 
And thousands of people are arrested by this miracle. And then what happens? We preach. We preach the gospel. We preach Jesus Christ. We preach the righteousness of God as a gift to men and it's not earned. And 5,000 men got saved. It didn't take long for the apostles to catch on. This is how this is going to work. This is how the world is going to be confronted with the reality of Jesus Christ. It's not because we're going to be so skilled and we're, we're great preachers and we're great teachers and we're great theologians. And it's not, it's not going to be because of that. It's going to be because the Holy Spirit somehow is going to get the attention of the people through the gifts. And once he gets their attention, we're going to preach. And we're going to preach the gospel. And when we preach the gospel, the Holy Spirit is going to bring multitudes into the kingdom of God. Somewhere along the line, that changed. Men, women, were not as desperate to be filled with the Holy Spirit. They weren't as desperate to act in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And the gifts of the Holy Spirit became dormant in people's lives. As Paul was worried about Timothy, that very thing happening to him, to Timothy, his beloved son in the gospel. And if we desire to see this culture confronted with the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have got to learn to operate in the Holy Spirit. We have got to believe for the gifts of the Holy Spirit to operate through our life. And trust me, when the Holy Spirit wants to operate through your life, it is going to demand a courageous faith. Could you imagine going to some sick person today and saying, such as I have, I give you. It's a lot safer to lay our hands on the sick and pray, oh God, would you please heal? Because then if it doesn't happen, well, we're not so embarrassed. But to pray in the power of the Holy Spirit, to pray through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and to believe because we have something that's going to take place. They understood this pattern. He says in verse chapter 4 of Acts, they're under threat. And after they're released from their, their whippings, they go to the church that's holding a prayer meeting. And they say in verse 29, Now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching forth your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of your holy child, Jesus. And when they had prayed this, the house was shaken. The Lord granted their request. And that's what happens in the book of Acts. The gifts of the Spirit operate through believers. Miracles take place. Witchcraft is confronted. Darkness is confronted. Paganism is confronted. Rulers and authorities are confronted. Sick people are healed. The move of God happens. And multitudes and multitudes of people are being swept into the kingdom of God. Through the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. These are the acts of the Holy Spirit. And this was the pattern. And the apostles knew it. They knew it. They said, Lord, we're under threat. We have been commanded to not preach in your name anymore. We're under threat. Now, 
We know what fear is. It wasn't long ago that we were living in locked doors because we watched you die. And we had a hard time believing when people were telling us you were alive. We didn't believe it. And we were afraid and we were sad and we were scared. And Lord, now we're back under this intimidation from the government to silence us and to tell us that we can't preach in the name of Jesus. That you're not liked. They're calling us hate speech. They're threatening fines. They're threatening imprisonments. God, this is intimidating. We feel it. Come on, guys, don't you? And what are we to do? Give up? Be bold for Jesus in our churches and live like mouses or mice out in the, in the world? Or do we come and we understand, okay, God, here's the deal. We need you to give us the boldness to preach your word. But we need you, God, to work miracles. Because the only way we're going to get their attention is if you do the miracle. So we're praying for you to stretch out your arms and do signs and wonders and miracles and give us the courage to preach the gospel when we have their attention. And somewhere along the line, that changed. We developed committees. We, we took polls. We took assessments of the society. What's the best way to reach young people? What's the best way to reach young couples? What's the best way to reach singles? What's the dynamics? What's the, what's the demographics of this? And then we can be most effective if we do this and we do this and we do this and we lose the society. No, this is it. It's a supernatural life in the power of the Holy Spirit where he works miracles to testify. Jesus is alive and when people ask how this happened you're going to tell them Jesus did it because he's alive and multitudes are going to get saved multitudes are going to get saved and that is how the kingdom of God is expressed in the earth today by the power of the Holy Spirit now this stirs me it stirs me with great excitement because I love the adventure of walking with Jesus Christ I love it I love the excitement of Christianity. I wouldn't give you a dime for what I see most people living. And the way a lot of Christians live totally bores me stiff. But to walk with Jesus Christ, to walk with him in the excitement of going into places and dealing with situations that you know are so far beyond you that the only hope you have is if God gives me a revelation, God gives me a word, God does a miracle through my life, somehow God make Jesus Christ famous. And I will tell everyone you did it. That's exciting. My life is filled with that. Filled with testimonies of that. Sunday morning, we had an episode in the church. In the Bible study Monday morning, Richard made a comment, really blessed me. He said it to all of the men. He said, when that happened, he said it was like the whole church was first responders. Nobody was afraid. Everybody went straight to it. Began to pray. You heard people praying in the Holy Ghost. Heard people interceding. For our dear sister. I was troubled. I was disturbed. That night in prayer I was in conflict. Because I want to see the power of God and the miracles of God. All the time. 
I want to see Jesus lifted up. And I know there's a lot of pride in me, but I do want to see his power and his miracles. And I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. And I said, God, I need an answer. And they called me. They said, we need you to come over and talk to us. And I went over there and the Lord had revealed to me and it came right out of their mouth what was going on and why this had happened in our sister's life. And everything in that moment made sense to me as we did warfare prayer against the devil and deliverance was just over their home and over their family where they were under attack of the enemy. And it came out of their mouth. And the Lord just totally opened that up to me. It's, it's like to pursue God. For the answers and the reasons that God has. Disturbs us for a reason. I don't have peace in me for a reason. I woke up this morning. I woke up this morning with this uncanny sense. That something is coming in our world. That is so catastrophic, life-changing, like we've never known. And nobody seems to be bracing for it. And I just, I woke up so many times this morning just thinking about that and praying. And all I could pray is, oh God, I need the Holy Ghost. I need the Holy Spirit. God, I can't live with a hangnail. I won't make it, Lord. I need you. I need the Holy Spirit in my life. I thank God for the Holy Spirit. I love the Holy Spirit. I love that the Holy Spirit is my friend and he's my companion and he's my encourager. And he gives me the boldness when I am an absolute coward. And when fear is attacking my life, the Holy Spirit rises up in me to speak things that I would never have the courage to speak. David Owens called me this morning and he said, you, you seem, in, in our circle, you seem to be a perfect balance of the lamb and the lion. People understand, misunderstand your meekness, but we have seen your authority. And I said, David, you didn't see anything of my authority. I am a biggest coward you'll ever meet. It's the Holy Spirit that anoints us to not cave in. Beloved, I was six years old when I received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. He's been my greatest friend and greatest companion my whole life. And I would not be living a Christian life today if it were not for the Holy Ghost. I would not. I'm too wicked. I'm too bad. I'm too arrogant. And I'm too proud. But the Holy Spirit tames all of that. And beloved, if you want to see God do something in this culture then quit going around saying that he can. And for God's sake, somebody get alone with God to where you can come out of that intimate chamber with God and say, I've got something. And go give it. In faith, do something different. If we want to see something different happen. If you want to see something different in your church, Faith differently. Quit doing the same thing over and over and over again. And trust God with something new. Spend some time with God. Hear the voice of the Lord. And walk in the Holy Spirit. And watch what God can do. Even in Pentecostal churches, you do not see this today. 
There are people that are in Pentecostal churches, rarely see any of the gifts, rarely hear a message in tongues, rarely hear a prophecy. It, it's, it's absolutely predictable in a lot of full gospel churches. I, don't, I, I can't bear that. You just put me in the ground if that's what we want to be. It's not. But what does God want? So much more. And that excites me. So much more. Jesus is an ocean. And I've been swimming in a jacuzzi-sized pool of him. But he's an ocean. There's so much more of Jesus to know. And because of the Holy Spirit, I can swim in that ocean of Jesus. And just know him more and more and more. And live with him and enjoy him. Oh, thank God for the Holy Ghost. Thank God there's a God of miracles living in our world just waiting for somebody to believe Him and work the miracle. Work the miracle. I was at Chimes today with Chris and Vince and we were just having some lunch and table next to us, we had a young lady serving us and um, I didn't perceive that she was a Christian. I, I don't know. But it was very interesting. The table next to us got there after us, and they're about to have their. She just served their meal, and they they grabbed her hand on each side. They grabbed her hands, and they said, "Would you pray with us for the blessing?" I mean, they didn't ask her; they just took her hands and began to pray. Oh God, give us that kind of faith. Give us that kind of boldness to just ask the guy. In the gas station. Do you know Jesus Christ? Are you tired of the life that you're living? Do you know that God loves you? And God wants to forgive your sins. And not judge you because of your sins. Why do we not do that? We have the greatest message in the world. Fear. Weakness. And the only answer. Terry. Until you're endued with power from on high. And beloved, you don't have to wait 10 days. He's here. He's come. Jesus will baptize you in him in a second. If you by faith will believe him. And all of the courage that comes from heaven will be yours. And you will know that I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Father, I pray in the precious name of Jesus, how we love you, God. How we love you. How exciting you are. How thrilling you are, Lord. Oh, God, we just ask you, Lord. Not that we would be a presumptuous people. You do the miracles. Give us the courage to preach. Give us the courage to testify. Oh, Father, help us to understand it's not a light show that we need. God, it's not the ingenuity of men or the new gimmicks or whatever it might be. It's, it's, we need you to stretch out your hand and do works and signs and wonders and miracles for your holy child, Jesus, and give us the courage to point all men to Jesus through the preaching of the gospel. Oh, Jesus, give us courage. How many of you tonight, come on, if you just be honest, all right? And, and, and truly, all of us, or in this place, or we've been in this place, but you wrestle with fear. You really, even with your kids, you wrestle in fear. 
If I tell them again, they're just going to turn away. I'm scared to do it. But even the Bible says it's through preaching that men are saved. You're afraid. You're timid. That's who we are. That's all we have to offer God. I'm offering you my timidity, my hardness of heart, my unbelief. And I want to trade this in for the Holy Spirit. Power of the Holy Spirit. The gifts of the Holy Spirit that you would do wonders and miracles through my life for Jesus. And give me the courage to preach the gospel when I have the attention of the people. Lord, anoint me for that. How many of you would just come pray for that anointing? How many of you would just come and bow before God in this altar and say, Lord, I'm just coming to give you my weakness. I'm just coming to give you my hardness of heart. That's, that's all I have to give you. That's what, that's what it is. And that's what I'm, I'm coming to give you. I want to be done with it. I'm tired of it. Tired of powerless living. Tired of empty confessions. Tired of walking around saying what you can do and hardly ever seeing you do these things through my life. God, this is the day. This is the hour. This is the moment when a world needs to know who God is and that you are the God. You are the Lord. You are the Lord. Anoint me, God. Oh, God, anoint me. Come on, just begin to ask him right now. Lift your hands up to Jesus. Don't be sober and uh, don't be quiet, I mean, and, and, and let your heart pray. Come on, let your heart pray. Pray in your tongues. Pray in the Spirit. Receive. Don't just kneel here and know that he can. Receive. 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 And you receive by faith. It's not a feeling. It's a belief. And if you have him, you do have something. You do. You can give Jesus to people. You have what Peter had. You have what John had. You have that. You have gifts in you. The Holy Spirit is in you. You have the gifts. You've got it. Oh, God, give us the courage. Give us the courage. Give us the courage. Lord, we pray for a changed life. Pray for a changed life, God. Lord, in the name of Jesus. Oh, it's so exciting to walk with you, God. Lord, you're thrilling. You're thrilling, Lord. You're so amazing, Jesus. I thank you for what I've been able to do with you in this earth. Thank you, God, for what I've been able to witness, what I've been able to see. But, Lord, there's an ocean of Jesus I want to swim in. Holy Spirit, help me know him. Speak to me about him. Talk to me about Jesus. Show me Jesus. Fill me with Jesus. Help me to pray. Help me to believe. Unite my heart. Take my fear away. Take my cowardice away, Lord. Right now, if you will, one more time, just lift your hands up.
in this altar just where you are just sitting before God kneeling before the Lord he is worthy isn't he he is worthy he's worthy of the glory he's worthy of the fame he's worthy to be known to be worshipped Jesus you deserve the glory 